Okay, so hello again to folks who are online. Really glad you can join us there. And it is really full in the hall today, which is great to see. And I think we're probably just about the limit we can do with the current distancing. But let's pray that even in the not too distant, those restrictions ease a wee bit. There's talk about it going to one meter and then maybe nothing at all in, in August. So God willing, uh, with his help, we'll just continue here. And But praise the Lord that we have the opportunity to meet. There's a lovely sense of joy in the room here. Do you feel that? Do you feel a sense of God's peace? Do you feel a sense of God's presence? I do. And it's wonderful when you can actually tangibly feel and sense God's presence there. God is not wanting to be distanced from us. God wants to come near to us. And he says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. So it's when we meet in times of, we can be on our own in our bedroom and experience this presence of God because we open his word and we pray and God's presence comes. And we know as believers, we're going to be thinking about the Holy Spirit. As I've been studying this passage, God has been continuing to bring me back to the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting because actually, if you look at the passage itself, sometimes it's talking about disagreements and, and divisions and arguments, but actually the Lord's just been impressing upon me. It's all about the inhabitation and the power and outworking of my Holy Spirit that resolves all of these things. And uh, I just want to encourage you, whether you're in your room, in your house, and you're feeling alone, you're not alone if you're drawing near to God. But it's also a wonderful thing when a church comes together because the church is a body and it's meant to be connected. It's not meant to be isolated. There's a reason why the church exists. The church exists because God is three persons in the Godhead. He's a God of relationship. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons in relationship with one another. God's not a God of isolation. God creates perfect relationship. He demonstrates what it is in the Godhead. These things might be hard for us to understand, but God by his spirit will help us to understand what we mean by that. So what does he want to see in the church? He wants to see perfect relationship. And of course, we're not perfect, aren't we not? And as believers, we know that in a fallen world where we still have tendency in our sinful nature to stray and wander, we can be forgiven for sins, but as Christians, we can be carnal Christians, or we can be godly Christians, or we can be a mix-up of the both. And maybe in one day, we're a mix-up of all, all the time, right? Paul says, what a wretched man I am. The things I want to do, I don't do, Romans 7. Then in Romans 8, he reminds himself of the truth, though, and he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So remember the beginning of Corinthians when Paul deliberately starts this letter to a church of Christians who are up and down, who are sometimes acting godly, sometimes acting worldly, sometimes twice in the same day moving between the two. He says to them, you are uh, a godly people. Let's turn to it. If you've got your Bibles there, let's begin to 1 Corinthians uh, just briefly, because I think you've got to start from your spiritual position in Christ and know who you're meant to be and who you're called to be. And just 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, and think about as if Paul was speaking to the church of God in Moody'sburg to us here. These words do apply to us. They're God's word down to us and the principles apply. To the church of God in Corinth, verse 2, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. That means we're set apart from the world, taken, so to speak, spiritually from a worldly, messed up, sinful place, 
sanctified in Christ Jesus, transferred from the world's um, fallenness and separation from God into Christ Jesus. Do you remember Sandy McKeith? Sandy McKeith taught me a lot of things about God's word and his spirit and the way that he works in the church and the scriptures. Uh, but he talked about believing into Christ, that you go into it. There's a sense of being in Christ and it just struck me the way, I don't know if you remember that, but he, he emphasized the being into Christ and you know, out of the world and into Christ. And that's, it's hard for our minds to take in. Christ, the perfect God, the perfect savior, the lamb of God slain for the world, holy in every way, the name of all names. How can me, Graham Adams, be transferred from my name into Jesus? It's wonderful, isn't it? And that's why we need to read our scriptures and believe the scriptures. Don't listen to what the BBC News tells you about who you are. Or any other programme. Or any other school teacher. You know, say at times. Telling us who we are. Let's read the word of God. Who tells us who we are, who we're meant to be. If we're in Christ. We're set apart from the world. We're called to be holy. And we're also, one other thing, we're taken into Christ. But by being taken into Christ, when people around the world over history have went into Christ, they become together. Isn't that wonderful? Together in the Lord, in spiritual places. We may be across at New Beginnings Church, uh, New Beginnings Ministry in Argentina today. How many miles away is that, Lorena? Many, 2,000, 3,000. I don't know how many, but in God's eyes, we are the same church if we are in Jesus Christ in our salvation experience. There isn't distance, there's no barriers, there's no isolation. And I think that's a really important truth. This time of coronavirus has, I think, been used partially uh, of the enemy, and I will say that, uh, to make us feel isolated from things. And it's not healthy, but God speaks to some truths that help us battle those thinking. Like you can be sitting in your house in Middlesbrough and you're automatically in Christ. If you know him as your savior, you're connected with every single believer in this world right now. In Christ. By the power of his Holy Spirit, positionally you're seated in the church of Jesus. Isn't that lovely? Just to think about that. Together with all of those everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So before we move into, before Paul even starts to get into all of the difficulty, the worldliness, the carnalness, the mixed up behaviours of the church, which isn't pleasing to God, he tells them, this is, this is your position, okay? Really important that. The message of Jesus Christ is not a message of legalism. Do this, that, the next thing, the hundred things uh, to be a good person and then you'll get into my kingdom. The message of Jesus Christ is what? I am the way, the truth and the life. Whoever comes to me and believes in me will know the Father. The truth will be in them and the truth will set me free. Set you free. It's the truth about Jesus Christ. It's the life of Jesus Christ. It's the perfection of Jesus Christ. It's not the perfection of me that gets me into the kingdom, nor is it the perfection of me that keeps me in the kingdom. It's the perfection of Christ. And we're going to read a wee verse that John, we got to the end of uh, in 1 Corinthians 2, 
And it talks about having the mind of Christ, the spirit of Christ. So positionally, the truth is, if you're a believer in Christ, you've moved positions from a sinful worldly state into the kingdom of heaven, in Christ, in the church. And God's grace and God's peace are coming to you from God, who is your Father, and through the Lord Jesus Christ. So just with that context, we'll move into today, which is 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 23. But I'm just going to touch briefly on if this works. And I'll pray. Father, I just pray that you help the word said today to be helpful and only for your direction and your guidance here in what has been spoken about. We thank you for your inspired word. We thank you that you have clear things to speak to us from your word, but also to this church here today, to everybody sitting here in the hall and online. So I just pray, Lord, you'd help me just to flow through what you would say to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what I'm think, thinking about here is that there are two types of person in terms of being in Christ or not in Christ. If you're in Christ, the Bible would describe you as spirit-filled or spiritual in some of the language that it uses, or you should be spiritual, you should be spirit-filled. It also uses words like you have the mind of Christ. And when I looked up that and you're looking into studying that, it also... Where is the mind of Christ coming from? It's coming through the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit and also coming through God's word, the two together, isn't it? And helping us to know what God's mind is, what the truth is, so that we can live in it. And wherever disruption comes in our personal lives that is not godly, can I suggest that it's because my mind and your mind is shifting from being focused on God's truth and on what the Spirit is encouraging us to do to worldly things, to sinful or carnal things. And this was kind of what was happening in the, as we move into Corinthians. So God is a good father, okay? God's a good father with a good plan for these people. And Paul has been used here just to instruct them how to correct their ways and get their mind back on what the Spirit desires, what Christ desires, what God desires. So he says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another... I follow Apollos, are you not merely human beings? So I've just deliberately, hopefully that makes sense from what I just led into. He's saying you're supposed to be living by the Spirit as Christians and believers set apart in the world, but you're not, you're still acting worldly. You're not growing up in Christ. He refers to them there as infants. Just at the starting gates, just not maturing and behaving in the way that God would want them to. And he mentions a few things there like jealousy and quarreling. Hands up if, like me, you're good at sometimes stretching into those areas. Come on, let's be honest. Let's be, let's be honest. How, 
there is nobody I think that can say you've never looked at something and thought, man, that's a lovely house, isn't it? <sighs> Wish I had that five bedroom house across the, <laughs> the road, you know? A lot more room for my family in there, wouldn't it? Be great. But God's not given me it yet. God wanted me to have it. And you're praying, you're living for God, then God will let you have it. Quarreling. If God was to look in my house or anyone else's houses, would they see some disagreement and quarreling, some, some, some not on the same page, and sometimes causing damage, doesn't it? Even in your own family, in your own household, and you think to yourself, this isn't godly. So let's just be open and honest. That's the truth in my life. It's the truth in all of our lives. We are a work in progress. We are a work of sanctification. As my Uncle Sandy very helpfully puts it, often sanctification is becoming a bit more like Jesus every day. I love that because that shows to me two things. It's the truth about becoming more like Jesus, but also that it's a process and it's a forward process. I do believe it's a forward process. If you're in Christ, he doesn't leave you. It's a journey and you should be looking at yourself now compared to a few years ago. Do you know, I'm not where I should be. I, I, I'm following Christ. I'm going towards him, but I'm not where I was. I'm not where I was in my faith. And I'm not where I was in terms of my journey. The Lord's taught me a few things. The Lord's helped me through a few things. And through it all, as the hymn writer says, Andre Crouch, through it all, all the pain and sorrow, worries about tomorrow, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust his word. That's true, isn't it? The flood and the fire comes and coronavirus comes, but the Lord will be speaking to you through this time and showing you how much he loves you and through it all, teaching us to trust. One of the beautiful works of sanctification is simply trusting God for who he is. You know, we were talking about earlier on, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but there's lots of confusing messages coming at us in school, isn't there? Because you're in school and they're telling you there's this God and there's that God and there's that God and there's no God. But, you know, the Bible teaches us there's one God. And I believe that to be the truth. And I can testify to it, not because I'm some special person, but because at seven years old I welcomed Jesus, the one true God, into my life and he changed my life and he took my guilt away. Who can take your guilt away? That feeling of guilt, that feeling I, have you ever felt that? So I believe that the first time you come to God for your salvation, you've got this overwhelming sense of, I'm not good enough. I had a friend who was about to give his heart to Jesus and he said, but I'm not good enough. Well, none of us are good enough, but see that feeling? That's, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sinner who needs a saviour. But God comes at you with his love, not his condemnation. He comes at you with his love and he says, open your heart to me and I'll save you. So if you feel as if you have a guilt about the wrong things you've done, come to Jesus and accept him as your saviour. He'll take it away. For there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus and you will feel that in your heart. That's one of the testifying things. If I remember, I hope you don't mind me saying as well, I remember back when Stuart gave his life to the Lord and the guilt went away from your life. The guilt went away, didn't it? It just went away. There was a sense of things there and then it went away. And then there was a sense of God transforming things, changing behaviours. So if we have experienced that, praise the Lord, we're saved. If we haven't experienced that, come to the cross of Jesus and accept him and you will experience that. 
But once you know you're saved and you know Christ is your saviour and you know your guilt is taken away, then you're on this journey becoming more like Jesus every day. And that's the context which the church in Corinth are. They're believers, they're Christians, they're saved. It's just not acting like it. So what are the fruits of the Spirit? He keeps saying they're worldly. And he mentions a few things like jealousy and quarrelling. If you were to look up, you don't need to look it up just now, but Galatians chapter 5 is a good scripture. That you could look at later in verses 9 to 19 to 21. It lists, first of all, the, the fleshly sins that come when we're not following God. Or, and some of those things mirror what we're reading about in 1 Corinthians 3 here. We'll just list a few things. Verse 20 says, the things that are not fruits of the Spirit are hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. You know, there are some things in those lists we think are greater sins than the other, aren't they? If you read them through. Well, fits and rage, that's, that's worse than jealousy. It's not a sin. You know, and sometimes we can be deceived by thinking we're not sinning when we actually are. Discord and divisions is sin in the church of Jesus Christ, isn't it? Philippians 4, I urge Euodia, I urge Syndicate to be of one mind in the Lord, to agree in the Lord. What is he saying? Not saying that we agree in every detail of things, but we've got to at least have peace in the church of Jesus Christ and be in, in unity in the spirit and not allow things to get between us or arguments that are causing pain and difficulty. So these are the things to watch for in your heart. If you find your, yourself, particularly with brothers and sisters in Christ, but generally, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Then the same passage goes on to list what the fruits of the Spirit look like in contrast to that, verse 22, Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, so see when I was saying earlier on, do you sense God's presence? And I think I used the word joy and the word love. And I think some people were saying, yeah, I do feel that here today. Well, if God is in the midst and working amongst his people, we should be feeling that. If the conditions are right, and if God's people are in a right way before him, so to speak, yeah, and showing God's love to each other. These are the things we should actually experience and see in action. And these things can happen without words, can't they? It's not about the words I say to you. It's about the love of Jesus in your eyes. It's about, do you actually care about somebody? You know, I believe when Jesus, you know, the scripture says he came up to people and he looked on them with compassion. What do people see when you look on them? If God's working, God's love will be shining from you, so to speak, and folks will see something more than what they normally say. Folks do say to people in this church, what is it about you? Thanks for helping me. They are saying that. And that's what you should, that's what should be happening when God's spirit is moving. People should come into this meeting today and go, there's something different to what I may be experiencing day to day. There's something peaceful in that people. There's something loving. 
there's something joyous about that people that I've not got in my life and also if we're a Christian and we're struggling as we all do we commit we don't give up the habit of meeting together but we come in and what should we experience God's peace God's love God's joy and it's just the way that we encourage one another and hopefully God willing when the conditions are right when you go out of here today you're in a better place with the Lord than when you came in and you're able to go back to your own quiet place before the Lord stronger and that's who the church is so I hope you're encouraged by this God's not a father lording over us and wagging fingers at us and saying Nancy get in line please you know <laughs> or no please just get in line he does say that but he doesn't come with a schoolmaster approach when he expresses his love in Jesus it is just that it's love Jesus didn't come wagging fingers at sinners and making the situation worse did he, he said to the women caught in adultery go and sin no more I believe he said that firmly but he said it with compassion and he said it, that woman knew Jesus loved her the woman at the well who had all the men and the man she's with just now is not her husband did the compassion and love of Jesus be shown to her yes yes and with compassion and love in his eyes and his heart he spoke that into that woman and he drew her in love from God to herself to, to, to God isn't that encouraging so if you've got any thought about God standing over you pointing at you in the wrong way please remove that from your mind and get back to the children's song Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so little ones no matter your age to him belong we are weak but he's strong that's the truth and you know it's so simple people will tell you it's foolishness and that's what happened in one in corinthians they're thinking this message is too simple it's too childly it's too immature but you know what god made it simple to shame those who think they're wise because no one works their way into god's kingdom it's by faith you're saved and if you don't come like a child in childlike faith you'll not be saved the scripture says so i love that because there's kids here today and do you know what receive the love of christ because i just say to you god will not force himself onto you but i had a cousin that said to me ah, graham and colin are going to hell me and my brother <laughs> and she was crying because she gave her heart to jesus and she's one night she came into my grand's house graham and colin are going to hell and she's crying but it triggered something in me because she took the time to care you know if nobody tells you you're going to hell if nobody really cares then maybe you're not going to hear the truth that you need to turn your life around so that's all i'm saying to you today listen to what god's saying we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in our lives but we do know today jesus loves me and today salvation is available for me today if i say yes to him i'm saved and i'm guaranteed heaven and i'll go on to becoming more like jesus every day in my life and how do we know it's real ask people ask people who testify to being jesus and they'll tell you examples of how it's real the hymn writer says yeah i know that he's in my heart uh, i tell you how i know he lives he lives he lives christ jesus lives today i'll tell you how i know he lives he lives within my heart how do you know somebody loves you your heart that invisible thing not the physical thing how do you know somebody loves you well in your heart you feel it's true 
And when I read the words in scripture since that day when I was seven, I know God loves me. It's an undeniable fact. It's a fact, it's not words on the page. So it all makes all, all of this kind of thing look like foolish. The thing that looks like foolishness now is why on earth is the church fighting over church leaders like Apollos and Paul? When all that Paul and Apollos are actually trying to do is point people to what I'm doing today, I guess, which is Jesus and God and his love for us and his salvation and his outworking. Yet worldly thoughts start coming in. Well, I think Paul, Apollos is a better preacher than Paul. No, I think Paul's a better preacher than Apollos. How silly that sounds, doesn't it? In the light of what I've just said. That the love of God and the truth of God and the spirit of God that working it in us is the most important thing. Not how clever you are. It wasn't Apollos' or Paul's fault, but we started behaving like the world in Corinth and we've got to watch for that today. An encouraging part is that we've each been assigned a task. See how I have that in fight there? You might say to yourself, well, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher, I'm not somebody, I'm not going to stand up and lead the worship or something. That's not your task. Your task is to share the love of Jesus, the truth about God in your life with everybody you meet, where possible. To live the life for God and be a positive influence on other people. Is that encouraging? You think, well, I fall down a lot. Well, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club, the club of the Church of God in Corinth, who are still called the Church of God in Corinth, but they're messing up quite a lot of things up, just like you and I do. doesn't mean it's right, it means it needs to be corrected, but our calling, our task is all of us have it. He says, I planted the seed. What seed? Well, earlier on, and in other scriptures, also Paul talks about the seed is preaching the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation preach the word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit not using your human wisdom or strength and God will make it grow and I'll also add to that behave in the way of the spirit by being a bit obedient to the spirit and how powerful it is when God's word and in action God's people match that by demonstrating God's love, by serving him. That's beautiful, isn't it? So God can take imperfect people like us, make us a little bit more like Jesus every day, and a bunch of people, a bunch of people looking a bit more like Jesus every day by the power of the Spirit has an impact on a community. Doesn't it? And a group of people doing the same on that journey becomes a powerful force in preaching the gospel and showing out the gospel in their lifestyle. Can I encourage you today? That's happening in our midst. Not perfect, but it's happening. When folks in the community tell, tell me during lockdown, the people are wonderful in the coffee house, that's what's happening here. It's happening. If people in your workplace say, I'm not going to swear when you're here, Graham, or something else like that, then something's happening. By your words and your actions, transformation, if it's in the gospel, if you're a believer, if you're working in God's spirit, transformation happens. God changes. His kingdom comes on earth through his people, the church. 
Amazing, isn't it? So as people just, all of us today, write down, if you take one thing away, I've got a task. I am a kingdom person. I am a servant of God, every one of you. I've got a friend who says to me, I'm not actually sure where he stands as a, as a Christian, but he says he believes in God. And he says, at the beginning of every day, I hand my day over to my higher power and ask if I can be of any use. Please use me. And that spoke to me. But if you apply that to us as Christians, what are we asked to do every day? Hand our life over to the Lord and ask God, the Father, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, how may I be of use to you? I'm just going to make myself available today. And the things done for God will last and they'll grow. I'm, I'm going to be not long to finish, don't worry. <laughs> um, a few, there, there's actually a lot in here. Typical with scriptures, you know, we're covering a lot of scriptures today, but you could go in and you could dive into a lot more detail and things like that. There, I, I love images, pictures. It talks about us here being co-workers in God's service. So again, applying to all of us as believers, co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Two different pictures. There's another scripture just came to my mind, maybe it's coming to your mind, but Jesus says, the fields are white unto harvest. Pray that the Father sends workers into the harvest field. Pray that the Father sends workers into the harvest field and the harvest field being there's a bunch of people that don't know Jesus out there, you know, as much as the, the grains. And I need people to go out and work that field. I need people to go out and work that field and go and find those people, go to where those people are, and tell them about me and show them about me so that they can be what is a harvest get done a harvest gets brought in doesn't it it gets brought in and there are people out there and god cares about all the folks in Moody'sburg, and he cares about all the folks who don't know him and he's saying where's the workers they have to go into that field so i don't know if that's the the best commentary <laughs> exposition on that bears but i believe if you think about us as a group we become like God's field and we move into where people are. Yeah. And we're praying that the Lord of the harvest will send more workers into the field. So there's more of us and then speak the truth about Jesus, live out the life of Jesus and God will bring people in and make things grow and build up his kingdom. Also God's building, there's a wee bit more of it that I'll talk about. But encouraging that it's all one, isn't it? Everybody's key. Everybody's part of the, the field team. Also, everybody's part of the building. A building's made of lots of things, isn't it? Things I don't know about, Bill. <laughs> and we did the construction next door in the coffee house and Bill had a hat. Built in control or building control. Um, <laughs> whether he was in control, who knows, but somebody, God was in control. Uh, and there was a whole team of people, wasn't there, sent in to do that building. So much complexity to do in building work, it would blow your mind. There was a lot of work to be done. A lot of construction, a lot of parts and making a building work. Um, so if you think about that as a picture, 
And what do you have to do when you make a building? You have to put foundations in place or the whole thing will just fall and sink. So Paul's using this picture for the church. He's saying, first of all, when you plant a church and you build a church, there's got to be a foundation laid. And then when you build on top of it, you should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's really interesting picture, isn't it? These pictures, I think we're meant to think about them, meditate on them and try and ask God to help us understand. So a picture of a building with Jesus Christ laid in the church as a foundation, the rock, the truth. And then it talks there about if we try and bring, I'll just use the word worldly things into the church, okay? If you try and bring worldly things into the church, building with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hair, straw, the work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So this might sound a bit confusing and long, that passage, but I think it's actually quite simple. Don't add to the foundational truth of the gospel or the scriptures or how the church is supposed to operate. And how is the church supposed to operate? By the fruits of the Spirit. We've just heard that. So if suddenly we add in carnal nature to the church, then we're not building on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ and his example. And it's going to fall if the church gets overwhelmed with worldly carnal activity and behavior. If we change the message of Jesus and we make it popular, come to God and you'll have a Ferrari in the garage and uh, 100,000 pounds in the bank. Maybe there are other ways though that church speaks are not quite as obvious as that. That come and it'll be a spectacular show and an entertainment and you'll really enjoy it. If anyone lays a foundation which is not Christ and not displaying the fruits of the Spirit, then God will not bless the church and make it grow. It will do the opposite. Or it may grow numerically, but not spiritually. Does that make sense? Numbers don't mean spirituality. There are 60,000 people at a football match because they enjoy going. Does that make it great? Would a church be great with 60,000 people in it? Well, it depends. It depends. What are they, what's the truth they're building their foundation on? What are the behavior of the people like? If I walk in, does somebody say, that's my seat, go away? <laughs> Which people have said to me have happened to them in, in other churches. No one speaks to me. And the minute I walk in to the minute I leave, and it's the first time I've been there. So just a wee check on numbers aren't everything. The size of the building isn't everything in terms of a local church. The quality is what's important. It says the fire will test the quality, verse 13, of each person's work. Quality, not quantity. I hope Kathy doesn't mind me saying this, but I'm going to say it. Um, Kathy said to me recently, if one person becomes saved through the work of the coffee house, then it's worth it. 
I agree. I agree. The Lord says, do not despise the day of small things, for the Lord loves to see the work begin and continue and continue. And that heaven rejoices when one person is saved. I just think that simplicity needs to get into our hearts because sometimes it can feel like the church is failing just because of numbers. That's not necessarily success. It's one of the indications of God's kingdom when things grow, but it's not a marker of quality. So just want to encourage you, don't despise the small things. Don't despise when you help one person and one person comes to Christ. That's a beautiful thing and that's been worth it in God's eyes. And the things you think are small are big to God when they're done for him. Isn't that encouraging? I'm saying it to encourage you because so often, um, in fact, I remember that scripture was used at a pastor's thing I went to from a guy uh, from New York called Pastor Carter Conlon from the church that David Wilkerson, if you know, Crossing the Switchblade, founded in New York. And there was hardly anybody there. They'd set up this big conference over in Greenock and they were expecting pastors to come from everything, everywhere. And it was about revival. <laughs> and it, you could have been discouraged there and said, well, we've held a conference about revival. We've sent a team from New York and 10 people arrived from Scotland and they said, don't despise the day of small things. Not about quantity, but is there a quality in the heart of the people that are coming that God will bless and build upon. So moving on, as I was preparing this message, New Beginnings Church Argentina just came into my mind and I, I just contacted Lorena and said, there was a video that she'd sent through and I thought to show it. And I'm just gonna use this as a, a bit of an illustration. So here we go, this is recent. So this is a building that's been constructed and as many of you will know, if this keeps running, hopefully, is it not running? Um, New Beginnings here in Murraysburn have given to the Lord for this ministry substantially amounts of money and done in love and done in the spirit for all the right reasons. And then at the other side, we have receiving that gift. We have Carlos and Liliana who love the Lord Jesus as their saviour who have done for many years and who've been called of God to plant We Church. And they had a small group of people and that small group of people has grown slowly, isn't it? You know, just organic, you know, just growing as the Lord blesses, still relatively small, but there's a quality about what we're hearing from Argentina and Lorena, their daughter here in our church, shares with us the quality of the work, a soup place for kids to drop in and get food various different things happening, just simply they're wanting to show the love of Christ, they are showing the love of Christ. And they came to a place where, okay, we could really do with a, we could do with a facility. And because I believe the Lord is pleased with Carlos and Liliana, because they're at the center of his will and his calling, guess what? The Lord pours out blessing to help it to grow and makes provision so that they can make this facility. So there's nothing wrong with having a building, is there? Nothing wrong. But if the building becomes the focus and the attention and the idol, that's the problem. The God's people need places to meet and serve. And we've had the blessing of this place, haven't we? How God provided for us with this building. And it's been mirrored there over in New Beginnings. And we've had the blessing of giving 
in a small way from us to make that happen. But you know, the thing that's going to keep that church, same as it will keep this church, growing in the Lord will be to not lay any other foundation except the foundation of Jesus Christ. And to demonstrate the Holy Spirit in obedience, God's love, God's power shown to everybody that comes into that building. That's what we would desire here, isn't it? There's something different about that place. There's a peace in that place. The people are lovely. What is that? It's God. Fill the place, Lord, with your glory. Fill the place, Lord, with your glory. The place could be anywhere. But when God's people meet and God's people worship and God's people dedicate their lives in a place and pray, God, fill this place with your glory, wonderful things happen. Wonderful things happen. Do you know the amount of people that have said to me over the years about experiencing peace in these buildings, these two halves of this building? Couldn't number to you. But the evidence of God is there. And it makes it really, really straightforward at that point to say, this is not us, this is God. And that should be normal in a church that's functioning full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I went to church one time, Struthers Church, where Liz used to be, and I went with Hugh, and I sat there, and they started to sing in praise. And I actually felt God's presence come down to the point when it was, I knew it was God, but I just felt really strong sense of God's presence. We've also felt that here as well. There's nothing scary about that. But I'm just testifying to you. Press into what the Lord has for you and seek his presence in the place, in your home, in your workplace, in the church, and see what happens when God's power moves in. That's a lovely way to end, isn't it? This is the God we're serving. Look up. And he's way more than we could ever ask or imagine. You know, I'm, how many years a Christian, I feel like I'm still learning every single day about how great God is and how powerful he is, how much he can do in people's lives. You know? Look up. This is the God we serve. Oh, last slide, if we can go into that, please. Okay. So we are described, the people of God are the place where God wants to dwell. God wants to dwell in our midst, in our lives, in a, in a group, and as I've just said, groups do need to meet in places. <laughs> and like we're seeing in Argentina, like we're seeing here, when God's people meet and the conditions are right, and God's pleased, we meet in a place, but the actual place God is dwelling is, is in our hearts. We are called the temple. We are the building. Yeah, it's not the bricks and mortar of this building that makes the church. It's the, it's the people that are saved that come in. So does that not make you feel valuable, precious? Peter talks about us being precious stones. So on to the last slide. He says, hopefully, <laughs> there's more slides. So basically, just to conclude this, how silly, how wrong it is 
they just allow anything to mix up the Church of Jesus Christ when the conditions have to be totally different. So whenever you spot something that's not aligned to the conditions of the Spirit, you put it away. So he says, no more boasting of human leaders. You're of Christ. You're of Christ and Christ is of God. So in summary, think about firstly, we are in Christ co-workers in God's building. You are his temple. You are the church. You're in Christ. But we must only build in the foundation of Jesus Christ. Don't add anything, don't take anything away. And thirdly, we are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in our midst. Just thinking about the fact that we come together and we have this spiritual oneness in Christ and this atmosphere and this presence of God, that God's spirit dwells in our midst. Okay. Just read very briefly from Acts 2. There's been a song that I don't think we've maybe sung once in a prayer meeting. It's more of a solo song, but I've not been able to get it out of my head when I've been preparing, so I'm going to sing it through just as a solo, if you know it, join on. Uh, but it refers to Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit first comes on the people of the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. See God's presence coming into the place where they are because the conditions were right. The people were there praying. Jesus was Lord. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then they, someone got up and spoke. Peter stood up, filled with the Spirit, and God used that to save people in that harvest field that were around the area. So you and I have a wonderful gift, God the Holy Spirit given to every believer, working inside of us, so that we don't have to be a fancy speaker. We have to be a Holy Spirit, obedient believer, and preach the word of God, speak the word of God, and God will do amazing things. Just pray that would encourage you today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way you operate in it, the way you encourage us. I pray that no matter what our age or our understanding is right now, Father, that you will speak to us just exactly from this, what you would want to say from this service today. Just continue to review yourself, Father. Help us to have those conditions right that we're reading about today so that we might be blessed in folks coming into the church and seeing us will be added to the kingdom, will be gathered in from that harvest field. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.